In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Hey, welcome to part two in our series for you dads who want to connect with your daughter's heart. This week, we're gonna finish up our interview with Dr. Michelle Watson Canfield, AKA the Dad Whisperer, as she unpacks tools number five to 15 to help you dads connect with your daughters and help them become their best versions because you were the father in their life. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers and call you up to be the best version of you because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Man of the Arena Army, we recently received this note from Liz who wrote, quote, your ministry has impacted my life deeply by inspiring my husband's walk with Christ. His life has been changed forever. Thank you for helping him be the husband and father that God has called him to be. Did you know that we are a crowdfunded Christian organization supported by people like you who believe in our message? This month, we invite you to partner with us in our great cause. So the next tool is build her up. Can you explain? So when you think about men, by and large, love to build, you get that construct. You're going to put one board down, one nail in, second nail in, but it's, it's incremental and it's strategic. So this idea of building her up sometimes means, back to the last one, is that her no, you're like, you are not building anything up. That's a teardown. It's a pulling off. No, I don't want that board on there. But it's actually, if you look at it through a different lens, it's her way of asserting herself. We call that separation and individuation in my field of psychology. She's becoming an individual. So rather than going, don't say no, that's not going to build her up. If you're just saying down girl, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to know what you think. Remember back to asking questions. Tell me what you mean by no. What do you, what is your no mean? How can I better understand your no? What does that see what I'm saying? You're using the who, what, when, where, how mm-hmm. as you use her word no. And that will help build her self esteem. So, this idea of sometimes I haven't liked that word self esteem because it sounds like I'm esteeming myself. Yeah. The word esteem and the word worth are, are, are really synonymous. That when we have strong self worth, we carry ourselves different in the world. I've, I've often talked to, employers or read things about how employers can tell 
right off the bat in the first five seconds if someone possesses self-confidence oh totally which goes to self-worth right yep yep it's, it's how we carry our body it's where our eyes look it's our tone of voice it's are we clear and in our eyes and do we make eye contact so dad your investment in your daughter in building her up which isn't just saying oh you look pretty today honey it's that even when she pushes against you and says no, and you're like, I got to think, build, build. I just, how do I build that no, that strength, that core strength that's practicing with me to build? She's building muscles to get stronger. Okay, so your mindset, we've talked a lot about that today. A mindset, this is good, this is good, this isn't bad, I don't want to squelch this. So I'm going to build her esteem by saying, I'm going to honor her. I'm going to esteem her by saying she has a worthwhile position, even if it's different than me. And I actually, I have a counseling client right now that has a one of the most extensive complex trauma stories I've ever, ever heard. I mean, it would break your heart if I told this to you. And she told me that one of the things that's been so helpful is watching this close family to her in her church and how with their 13 year old daughter that this gal mentors even in her brokenness she cares about investing in the next generation and she said her mom and dad have actually changed course when their daughter has come and explained her position she said i can't that's so opposite of my home growing up i had no voice mm. and so She's like, I didn't even know homes like that were out there where mom and dad said, okay, we've had that boundary or we've had that curfew or we've said, no, you can't go, but we want to hear you out. And then they've said, you know what? You have a good point. We're going to, we're going to change our mind. We're going to let you go to that thing. And we're going to talk about it. See how that builds the esteem, the worth, the core strength of that daughter. And that's what building her up looks like. So now in your in this chapter, you talk about the negative voices in her head. Mm -hmm. So that's different than what you're saying. Can you explain these negative voices? Yes. So most men don't have a lot of negative voices. Some. I mean, again, I've worked, I've counseled, worked with a lot of men that say, I've got that interjected voice in my head from my parent that was the loudest. So I'm not saying by and large, this is all men and women and divide divided that way. But with women, Oh my goodness, if you guys heard the negative voices in our head, and, and one of the tools we're going to talk about mirrors, but is that we look in the mirror and see every flaw. We yeah, have literally gotten a message from the world that we're not enough, we're not good enough, pretty enough, skinny enough, attractive enough, popular enough. And those voices have a cumulative effect over the years. And it's so hard then when we come into marriage, if if we do choose that, to go, when you say, you're beautiful to me. Doesn't that count? Well, she's been, you know, beat up in her own mind and held those words a lot in, yeah. her, in her mind. I think by and large, this is again, a little bit generalized, but I think men oftentimes hold images and women hold words. Oh, for sure. This is why sometimes men can go back and we're talking about sexual experiences, even and replay those men, put them in a playpen. As I heard one therapist say, lock that up. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, for but, sure. But this, I think words so often for women replay, I'm not this enough. I, it's rarely positive. It's usually negative. So dad, just be aware as you build her up and you speak light breathing words to her is the way you couch what you say when you want to correct can be either punitive and where you're diminishing her 
or you can frame it in a way that builds her up. You know what? I know you, I know you have wisdom that didn't quite show up this time because that, that I just heard you say doesn't line up with what I know to be true about you. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about where that came from. Where, remember where, what was going on that led to that? Because dads, this goes back to listening. Sometimes you're going to find she had blow after blow after blow at school. And so what came out had a backstory. But when you frame it with building her up, you know what? That didn't line up with who I've known you to be. Mm-hmm. Who, what, when, where. What was happening uh, an hour or two before that? Because I, I know you enough to know something else was going on. See how the approach is more positive of building her up rather than just correcting and putting her yeah. down. No, that's really good. You know, it's it's really interesting because the women that in my life will actually use their words, their negative voice in their head will come out in words. I yeah. look fat or I'm this or I'm not that, I'm not enough. And and so where a lot of times guys we will my, the voice in my head is not negative. I don't I don't get that voice. So I don't understand right. that voice, right? But but my wife has that voice. I see that voice. And so if we're really wondering, if we're really curious, if we're really question asking mm-hmm. dudes, we will hear that negative voice and be able to respond to that. And I think that comes uh, to segue to tool number six. That really comes, that doesn't come by rote. It doesn't just kind of happen. It comes through tool number six, quantity time. We need to be in proximity of our daughters often. You want to talk about quantity time? Yeah. And maybe some of you are surprised that I put quantity time, not quality time, because that is more what I think is emphasized. Hey, it doesn't matter if you have much quantity, just go for the quality while you're there. Back to the sports analogy, you're not going to play well on game day if you haven't put in quantity time to prepare, right? Yep. Whether it's you know lifting weights practicing with your team, watching videos, doing other things that strengthen muscles that might not maybe be used in that game, but they all tie together. So when you think about quantity time, it means that this would be a good opportunity to ask your daughter, are we spending as much time as you would like? Or back to that close, you know, that we had talked about at the beginning of this conversation, Jim, of you know, men and women, dads and daughters say different things about how close they are. Yes. And that's a great question to ask your daughter. Are we as close as you would like us to be? Because only a few years ago, I, my dad and I were having dinner at Costco. I remember And this. I literally said to him, you know, remember that? Like, dad, do you think we're very close? And he literally said to me, well, I don't think we're as close as you'd like us to be. Oh. He was spot on. And you know what I meant by close It wasn't actually, I mean, so there is a juxtaposition with quantity and quality time. Yeah, it was kind of tied to quantity, uh, you know, but dad, I want you to ask me deeper questions to mine the depths of me because I'm run pretty deep. And I think sometimes that's a bit, he's told me you're too much for me. Your words wear me out. You're a bit much at times, Michelle. I'm like, I know, but, but quantity time back to that, because maybe I'm sounding like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because Yes, it's quality in the quantity. Yeah. But dad, ask your daughter, are we as close as you want us to be? Another one is, are we spending as much time as you'd like us to spend together? Now, she may say, absolutely, it's fine, because she's 14 and her peers are more important than you. And that's the way it 
always goes, always. Your daughter's going to pull away and her peers are going to be more important. And so locking some of that time in early, dads that are listening with younger daughters, now's the time to lock in the quantity time. I would establish a once a month rhythm of a dad-daughter date mm-hmm. from the time she's two, one. Start it early, lock and load the quantity time, the rhythms there that when she pulls away, I mean, I love the stories that I hear dad say where the daughter comes up, dad, are we going to have our date? And the daughter's bringing it up because dad has established the rhythm. Expectation. Of quantity time. Yep. Expectation. Well, you know, what's funny. I, what I tell, I have, I, I've got this giant rubber band that I cut out of an inner tube. And what I tell guys is when your kids become teenagers, they want to separate themselves from you. Their peers become more important. They want to distance themselves and find and find their voice, right? And so yeah. they're going to do that. But you have an imaginary rubber band around them, and you only let them get so far before you get right back in there. And I think that's yeah. what we're talking about. It's that dance that we do with our teenage daughters and sons between letting them get out there but not letting them get too far, right? And so that's what you're saying is like we need to – they're going to – disengage on some level, but we as the dad need to re-engage because that's pursuit, that's curiosity, that's wondering, it's all of the things that we've talked about. It's all of these tools that we have in our toolbox. This next one, um, you've alluded to earlier in the podcast when you talked about blocking your anger. Mm -hmm. This next tool is use your mouth guard. And you said this, and I thought this was really powerful. I want to repeat this. You said, the person who remembers the longest is the one who heard the words, not the one who spoke them. Yes. So when you're on the receiving end, the hurt stays there longer, which is why oftentimes, and again, I'll just use dad daughter here as an example. So dad moves on after he's quote unquote delivered the blow Mm -hmm. or the correction or the discipline. And so to him, he stepped in to that role. He disciplined. He didn't exasperate right? His children to anger, biblical mandate, like, okay, I don't think I blew it. And so he's done, right? He's like, but she's still remembering the look in his eyes or maybe what he said Mm. that to him didn't have a sting. And she's there, you know, with a gaping wound saying, dad, you said it so mean. Mm. So the one who heard it is the one who has to set the bar of if a parent yeah. says we're we're done talking and she's like but we're not done you got to bring it down the one that's hurt sets the bar of where the conversation needs to go and when it's done because think about with our physical injuries our bodies were made to heal god made our bodies to heal when it doesn't heal that's when we go to the doctor because healing is actually natural and normal and healthy yep. and so if your daughter is still hurting and you've moved on and you say, you should be done. This was fine. It was your fault mm-hmm. or I'm justified. But she's still in the wounded place. She's the one that says, I need to have attention for my wound. And that mindset might help you, dad, to say, oh, man, I have at times where I've said all the shoulds. And I go, don't should on your daughter. Yeah. You should be over it by now. You shouldn't be so sensitive. You should have thought first. Dad, pull should out. That's just a little freebie over there on the side for that one. <laughs> right? Just going, pull the shoulds out and just speak directly and then let let your mouth, because it's that use a mouth guard, 
right? Which is a biblical principle all through James. Absolutely. What the tongue can do and set a fire. So it's, I, I love this picture. There's kind of two sides to use a mouth guard. It's one being really consistently intentional about what you're saying. We all blow it, make amends, ask forgiveness, ask how did I hurt you? And we move on, right? Because just like a scar, we get stronger then where something opened up and healed. Yeah. And you see me touching my arm because I have a scar here. So, but mouth guard is partly that being intentional. But the other part of this chapter is on a picture that I saw where it's a, a big head of a woman with a tongue out and a man was standing on the tongue. And it kind of, to me, symbolizes, I think sometimes men feel like they're going to be devoured by all the words oh, and just yeah. the, the mouth of some of the women around him devour him. And he's like lost, just standing there frozen. And so that's kind of another side of this whole mouth guard is that you may feel like your daughter doesn't have much of a guard on hers and she swallows you up. And so like we've talked about with the other tools, just having a mindset of knowing when you hear your daughter's words, man, and you respond back with a guard so that you're, you're mirroring and you're hearing back and you're letting her know you hear, you are giving your daughter such a gift because you're saying you're worth listening to. Mm -hmm. I value your voice and your position and your opinion. What a gift you give her because that's what she's going to expect from men out in the world. Well, and it's interesting when I saw this one, I thought this would, I, 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 my mind went to, don't try to fix it. Shut your mouth, boy, <laughs> and oh, and and don't try too. to fix it. So I think that's you know. So there's a lot that's of things awesome. here. You know, block your anger. You know, uh, shut your mouth up and listen. Don't try to fix it. There's a lot here. Uh, this is a great chapter that guys can uh, check that out. So tool, tool number eight. So you're gonna have to explain this one because I completely agree with it, but it's hard <laughs> as a man to explain what this means to other men. And so okay. that so that's what I mean. I totally agree with you on this. I just need you to help me explain it to dads. And you're telling dads. But guess what? It's okay if you disagree. No, no, I agree. hundred yeah. percent. I agree. I no, I agree hundred percent. I just okay. as a man, I don't understand. I can't articulate vulnerability very well. So you oh. say your tool is to be vulnerable. So can and you shared about your dad being vulnerable to you uh in a couple stories there. So talk to us dads about how do we how do we how are we vulnerable? I, mean, I know you're not saying that we should tell our daughters, well, yeah, when you, I was your age, I pursued girls around and I made all these sexual choices. I know you're not saying that, but what are you saying by be vulnerable? Or am I? <laughs> Maybe you are. Because <laughs> <laughs> in, in Let's Talk, the last one leader to listen, it's where she's asking dad questions about his life. Oh, yeah. Well, I see, yeah. See, I, for in me, age appropriate I, ways, I, that, see, that's where I think there's an age thing there that we have to kind of wrestle Definitely. with, right? And so my as my 20-somethings get older, they're learning more and more about dad that yeah. they didn't know when he was a teenager. They were teenagers. But this vulnerability thing, I think this might – does this go back to his heart and sharing his Absolutely. heart? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's the lead with vulnerability chapter. So I'm saying, Dad, what would it look like if you led with more of a heart, mm -hmm. soft, honest? That's what this is talking about, disclosing information at a heart level, let me give you an example. So let's just say, I mean, we brought up sex a lot today. Hello, why, why would we not? Um, so let's just say you find out that your 14-year-old daughter willingly had sex last night. Mm. And somehow some one of, the, one of your other kids saw something on social media and it led back and you found it out through your wife or your ex-wife and you are devastated. 
Is that a fair word? Yeah. Would you use a different word? No, that's I mean, I've never had a man say, I'm helping my daughter be sexually active at 14. No, that's yeah, a, that's a great, it's a great description. No, no, they're devastated. Like, not yet, not him, not now. He's not worthy of you. What, what, you can't unring that bell. No. And so often sad will come out of mad. Yes. Portal for men. That it's harder to get in touch with where you're sad. And so it comes out as, who is that guy? Like, you know the rule, and it's coming out that way instead of you being in touch with that vulnerable place inside of you where you do feel sadness, you do feel fear. And so what would it look like if you went to her and let her see you're sad mm, instead of you're mad? Yeah. I can think of one gal right now in high school. She said, this was a client of mine. Dad was in the Alba Project, but she said, I can handle my dad's anger, which is not most women, but this particular fiery daughter goes, oh, I don't even mind. But she said, I cannot handle his disappointment. Mm. And it, it does me in. And so dad, that's kind of the side of your emotional self yes. that your daughter will help develop. The valve is already there on your heart, but she's going to help bring that into, I would say, you know, more blood flow there by activating this part of your heart. What would it look like if you went and you just sat with her and you again, look in her eyes, you're using all the other skills and you say, I know I heard Remember tone of voice. I know dad. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Like I know I go ahead. You've said it a million times and you just say, and there's tears welling up. And you don't push them back this time and say, real men don't cry. And you bite your lip. And you're letting that vulnerable heart place be shown to her. Mm. And you just let her see the tears and you just say, I love you. I just want you to know that. Mm -hmm. and you sit on her bed and then her tears, I guarantee you're going to start. Mm -hmm. It wasn't what I thought, Dad. I'm so sorry. I let you. It all, it's going to be a whole different conversation yeah. when you lead with vulnerability. Yeah, and I would say, with, a, and you already alluded to this emotion that's not anger. Like yes. any emotion that's not anger, you know, lead with emo. You know, use your emotion, but not anger. You know, you're and sad. There's five you're... primary emotions: happy, sad, angry, scared confused. And oftentimes, well, we know it isn't happy in that moment is they'll all come out the anger funnel. Mm -hmm. You're not showing that you're afraid. You're maybe afraid for her safety, afraid yeah, that she sure. has an STD, afraid that if she's done this once, she's going to do it again. But you don't go to fear. You go to anger or sad that she made a careless decision or, you know, those kinds of things. So letting yourself, yes, get in touch with sad and afraid and confused will offset it just coming out as anger, which again can be a skill set with more reps, mm -hmm. just like in the gym, you can develop that skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just think in my own life, it's, it's almost always anger. Like it's, that's the one that comes out first. And yeah. so with my, with my family, my boys, my wife, it's like, okay, once dad has a gut reaction of this, let's come back and he'll settle into what is really going on. And so you that's, want, and so that's you want a, me to tell you what I tell men to do about that. No, tell me. Give yourself a timeout on the front end of discipline or, or responding that's as many minutes as your age. So 
We give kids a three-minute timeout if they're three, 10-minute timeout if they're 10. If you're 50, you need a 50-minute timeout for your brain to calm down. Yeah, and I found... Mid-brain where you have emotion, what happens is it floods this prefrontal cortex, and this is where you think and reason and have good judgment. When that goes offline and you're all emotion, it's going to take longer to regulate your systems in your mind, your brain, because feelings follow thoughts. So when all that stuff is swirling in your brain, man, if you can give yourself a timeout before you come and say what you need to say and calm yourself, that's looking under the hood of your own car at your wiring, get grounded first. You'll never regret waiting to have that conversation. Well, and I find that when I start wondering and asking questions, that gives the time. But when I just start demanding and making and fixing situations, it does not help. So tool number nine, I resonated with tool number nine. Tool number nine has been a tool I've had in my marriage. Uh, this is a wonderful tool. Uh, I Now with texting, I can implement this with the daughters, you know, daughters-in-law, their daughters-in-law, you know, uh, the granddaughter is uh, not, does not have a phone yet. She's too young, but I love putting it in writing because yes. a, a word never goes away in your brain. But when you put something on writing, like I, I went to a friend's funeral, uh, he died at 80. He was one of my youth workers and his mm. wife called me and said, you know, he still has uh, every card and every letter you ever wrote to him. And the day he retired from youth ministry as a volunteer, you wrote him a long letter and he still had it on the day he died. Oh. And there's something to the words uh, that we say, if we put it in writing, it, there's a depth there. Can you talk to us about Absolutely. putting it in writing? Well, I actually want to kind of build on what you just said, Jim, is do it in a way that's different than social media or texting. Yes. You know, that's yes. different than technology because then, like this guy, he has those letters for years. Yep. You have it then in your hands that stands in contrast, right? So that when you as a dad put your love into writing, she has it, I mean, I, for years to come, I still have all the cards my dad makes me every year for my birthday. Mm-hmm. He gets a program from Hallmark or something online, just plugs our names in, puts some pictures. So dad, if you're tech savvy, get one of those programs. You don't, you can make unique cards and the templates already there. I love, they're my, if I ever had a fire in my house, I would grab those before I left. Mm-hmm. My dad was a graphics guy back in the day. So that helps, but still I love those. And then he and my mom right on the back. So I have their handwriting and you know, they're in their mid eighties, late eighties. Yeah. Now. They're not going to be around those forever. Treasures yep. to me because I, I'm not going to always have the technology and the texts, but I'm going to have these letters. And I think about, you know, there was a dad in the ABBA project where his daughter, Olivia 13, he said, she's going to think this is so stupid. I know her. She's super cool, popular, like a letter from dad. But he did it. He wrote the letter because midway through the auto project, I have about 50 kinds of stationery on the table. So men don't have to go to the store and find what fits their daughter. And then I give them a list of all kinds of things. In fact, it's on my website, drmichellewatson.com under free resources about what you can put in your letter. Tell her what it was like when you first held her in your arms. Tell her the meaning of her name and how she lives up to that. Tell her wishes and dreams you have for her. Tell her what characteristics of you, of her, that you're impressed with and just wowed by, like writing that down, those kinds of things. But anyway, he said, her friends all came over one night and I had just given her the letter. And he was like, I just went in her room later to see, and it was on the top of all her books. Of course. He said, I thought she would have hid that thing. 
because her friends wouldn't think it was cool. Nope. Front and center, right out there. Blew him away. So sometimes you as dads might think she's going to think this is lame. She's going to hide it. She'll throw it in the garbage. I doubt it. I doubt it. So do it. Give it a try. And you don't have to worry if you get feedback. Listen to Jim and I. We're saying those things matter. Listening to even a man from a man. Well, even a guy who doesn't want to do anything new has two shots every year at this. The Christmas card and the birthday card. And I would say this. When you get an opportunity for with a Christmas card or a birthday card, you write something that is so profound she will never throw it away. I keep all of my cards that have something significant written in them for that reason. They're in all my books. Every book, that's my bookmarker in every book. And so, oh, Dad, your job, Dad, is to write something to her. You've got two sh- If you do nothing, you've got two shots every year without doing anything. You've got two, two low-hanging fruits sitting there. Other than that... I would say take special moments, and if you see something, write her a note, put a post-it on her mirror. She looks at that thing an hour at least every day. You know, find a way that you can do something there. So I just think that, and I would say do that with your wife. I mean, guys, there's something to the written word that yep, is— And we are going to segue into the mirror. Yeah, which is actually, which is actually, yeah, which is, here's one for you. So this is number 10 tool, which is meet her body tone for tone, language for language, match her intensity. So you're talking, yeah. and I thought this was really good. I'd never Meet thought her, of this. Meet her, match her. That's what we're calling yeah. Meet her, match her. So, yep. what I, so, what I, so what I did is I'm putting it in my language I understand. I'm going meet her tone and, let, you know, but yeah, meet her, match her. So I'm saying meet her body tone, meet her, her language, match her intensity, like imitate yeah. what she's doing. Imitate her yes. nonverbal. So talk to us about this and why it's so important. Well, you know, even recently, I went to a University of Arkansas women's gymnastics event. Oh, my goodness. I have never been to this in my life, but here's what blew me away. In fact, I have a video. I can show it right now that I took. The last girl on the floor had her teammates on the side doing all the motions with her. Oh, whoa. Talk about meet her, match her. Like, it blew me. You could tell the energy in the room was going up because they leaned in and they were all doing it with her. That's how well they knew her routine. Wow. But she fed off of their energy. So when you think about meeting your daughter and matching her, I'm not talking about if she's sassy and you're like, so, well, you could meet her and match her that way. But it's again, finding ways if she's crying and you hurt her feelings and you go, come on, get up, grow up. And that's not meeting her and matching her. You come down to that level. Help me understand how I heard you, hurt you. What did I say that hurt you? Mm -hmm. Meeting her and matching her lets her know you're in her corner with her, that you care about her, that you want to be on the same wavelength. And dad, that's a great question to say is, I know I don't understand you right now. Help me understand. Help me understand what I don't know. Is that a vulnerable way to say it? Absolutely. Lead with vulnerability. I'm not doing a very good job of understanding you right now. So you lead with your less than competent Mm -hmm. stance. I am not doing very good right now. Mm -hmm. I can tell I'm not hearing you. What do I need to better understand about you? What am I missing? So see how that meets her and matches her, uses vulnerability. It's bringing all the tools together. 
You know, it's interesting. One of the phrases that I use with my wife all the time, and she listens to all these podcasts, so I hesitate sharing my secrets because she listens <laughs> to this. But but part of my meeting her and matching her, I didn't realize it was meeting her and matching her until I read this in your book, is that she will get these negative voices going, uh, negative about her work, negative about her appearance, negative about her aging. Who knows what it is? And I right, just say, right. I, I will match that. I didn't realize I was doing it, but I will say something like this. I am so sorry, honey. And all I have to do is say that and it launch, it keeps that ball rolling. I'm so sorry you feel that way. It just keeps going because I do feel sorry for that. I don't know how to fix it. She doesn't want me to fix it. But there, but it's it's meeting her and matching her. Yes. And she sees that as love. Absolutely. Side. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. They Absolutely. All yeah. go together. So here's how my mentor used to say say it to me is a clinician, but I think it applies to dads. If she goes to a one, meet her at a one. Yes. If she goes to a two, meet her at a two. Try to go to a three, see if she meets you at a three. So sometimes you may try to lead with vulnerability and she's not into it. So you're like, well, I'm going to give up then because I'm, I'm going to stop trying. That's what I find that underbelly of men sometimes is softer than they would admit because yep. that rejection doesn't feel good. Yep. But remember that this meeting her and matching her is the really the lifespan goal is that at these different stages of her development, as you ask other women in your world, your wife, an ex-wife, a, a sister, an aunt, wait, help me better understand, is this normal for 13? Is this, is or should I be correcting that? Because to meet her, you've got to know more about her age mm. and what's appropriate. So yeah. you can meet her at the one, the two, the three. Yeah, and in your book, you talk about when she shuts down, not to take it personally, just back away, calm down, and do not react negatively. So, And that was on page 118 of your book. So that's good stuff. So very similar to tool number 10, meeting her, meeting her and matching her, is learn to read her eyes. Can you talk yes. about this? And this really plays into active listening, into wondering, into question asking, into meeting her and matching her. So talk to us about learning to read her eyes. So again, it starts with the word learn. So we're all on a journey. When we have someone else or something, when we go to school, we don't start knowing about that subject. So being willing to be a learner by looking into her eyes, because What's that old adage? Eyes are the gateway to, to where? Soul. Yeah. soul. So if you want to really know what's going on in your daughter's life, you want to be able to look in her eyes mm. because she could send a text that goes, I'm fine, dad. But that's not what she means, right? That's that I'm really not fine. But you would have no way of knowing that just by the written word. Yeah. But then you look at her and go, you don't seem fine, Right. If you're picking her up from school and her head is down, you don't seem fine, you know? So it's just finding a way to learn how to read her eyes. And like I'd said way back at the beginning, read her eyes, especially when you've responded in an, in an intense way, because yeah. her eyes will tell you everything. Well, and and you didn't say this, but I'm going to say this to the guys. Listen, guys, fine never means fine with a woman. So the moment no. she says fine, realize it's not fine. Now, if you say fine, it's fine. But if a woman says fine, it's not fine. So that's when you it's go into fine. that's Never. when you go into question asking mode and wondering mode. Well, I'm wondering, honey, what does it fine mean to you? 
and let yes. her start unpacking that because she just unleashed. There's a Pandora's box there if you if you go to steps one, two, and three. <laughs> yeah. And if you say you don't seem fine, you'll probably get your head bit off. But yes. at least you get a response. At yeah. least some of what's going on inside of her will have a release. And real men can take it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, it's it's really interesting because I'll, I'll run into like a barista at the coffee shop or the grocery store clerk. And I'll say, how are you today? And she'll go fine. And I just go, Oh no, do I sit and engage this? Cause this is going to be an hour and it's going to end with prayer. And this is not my wife. I shouldn't be engaged, you know, cause I mean, you know, learning to know what these words mean, right? Like but say to the barista, what about your day is fine. Yeah. And then you may just get a quick, like, Oh, thanks for asking. It's actually, I haven't had anyone throw coffee at me. Today. It's actually, oh, it may be actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like words like nothing, how, how, you know, how, what are you thinking today, honey? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> well, tell me what that means. Okay. But let's, we can, let's, yeah. so let's, let's keep going here because okay. learning to read her eyes, learning to read her uh, body language, you know, but this next tool, tool number 12, uh, this was of, of this 15, this was the most horrifying to me. Okay. I'm just being honest with you here. I completely agree with this, but this was horrifying to me because I, I know what happens when we don't use this tool. We there's a there's a lot at stake here. And number number 12, tool 12 is be her positive mirror. I want to read out of your book. You said every single day of her life she wonders, am I beautiful? She wants and needs to know the answer to that question, and she will keep asking and looking until someone tells her that she is. She needs you, Dad, to answer her question. If she doesn't hear it from you, she will find another mirror on another wall who will tell her that she is the most beautiful woman of them all. Now, if that is not horrifying to dads, I don't know what is. <laughs> Which that is actually springboarding off of where I started in that chapter by yes. asking dads remember the nursery rhyme. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Yes. The fairest of them all. Where did that come from? Snow Do you White. Remember? Snow White. Snow White. Who asked the question? Oh, wait. I think it was the uh the sorceress, wasn't it? The the evil stepmother. Yeah, yeah the evil. I knew it was the an evil queen, whatever you want to Forgive call me, it. I haven't watched Snow but White she, in a little yeah. while. <laughs> No, but but no, but I appreciate that because you're like, but I don't think she was good. And it you wasn't. I knew. I knew right. it wasn't Snow White. I knew it wasn't Snow White. Yeah, I knew it was the exactly. evil. I was like, was it Cruella de Vil? No, that's the wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this predates her. But do you guys realize the point here that I want to underscore, yes. which is that the woman with power, she's the queen, is asking an inanimate object. Yep. Am I beautiful? She's asking a mirror on the wall. So your daughters are asking inanimate objects to report back to them. It is the size on their jeans, the number on the scale. It's the phone in their hand. Yep. Yes, it's tied to people, but a lot of times it's not anyone they know. Mm -hmm. But that inanimate object carries a lot of power. So animate relationship, personal relationship with you is an antidote. So yeah. when, when I say be a positive mirror, Okay, I love object lessons. You can tell with my, my things. Okay, so here's my mirror. If I held this up to you, you know, there you go. I'm saying, Jim, does that look like you in the screen? You'd say, yes, clear mirror. If guys are listening and can't see, I have a big mirror and it has, you know, a complete clear lens. Same you, same day, 
same outfit, same headphones, and now I hold up this mirror. I have the exact same mirror in size and in look, but the inside is broken out. I just glued it back together so it's a broken mirror. So the point that I'm making is the mirror you look in has everything to do with how you see yourself. Mm -hmm. So dad, sometimes your own brokenness, you've had a horrible day, so it means you need to drive around longer before you get home, but you're, you're like, get out of my way because everybody needs to pay for what just happened today. And then you forget that your daughter is looking at her reflection in your mirror, meaning your face, to internalize a view of herself and go, what did I do to not deserve to be honored today or to be worthy of kindness or treated with respect? I mean, you think about that being one of the highest virtues on Mars is respect. Yeah. But when you come home and you're not a positive mirror and the brokenness of your stuff that, as I said earlier, predates her birth and those shards of glass cut her, then you're anything but a positive mirror. And I know we're all human. I'm not talking about we had a bad day. I'm talking about make amends, but this is more as a pattern. And so a Mm -hmm. way to counter, we talked about this earlier, but when your daughter where your wife looks in the mirror and sees every flaw. We talked about that earlier and using your words to build her up. As I say, dad, go get a pack of sticky notes, go get a dry erase marker, do it today, right on the sticky notes, because then she can keep it longer. Cause I've, I've had dads say, Oh my goodness, it's been six months and she still has my note on the mirror or the written word on the mirror. I didn't think she would care. And I even had one dad, I went to his house, Jim, and his eighth grade, 13 year old daughter had moved the message from dad that, you know what it said? It said, love dad, that love you, dad. I mean, it wasn't even like a big message, just a quick to the point. She had taken it from the bathroom mirror and moved it to her bedroom wall so she could see it on the way out. And they had a lot of conflict. He was like, I thought that mattered. So see, it's putting it in writing being a positive mirror, it's using all these skills together. But I'm saying, dad, do this today. And I want to tell you a really cool trick that I learned from a dad. And I say trick because it just adds to your toolbox. I had a dad hear me talk about this at a fathering conference. And then I ran into him at another event a month later. He pulled his dry erase marker that I'd given him out of his back pocket, Jim. And he said, I've got an away game too. I never go anywhere without this now. He said, I travel for work in the hotel room. I write on the mirror in the bathroom at the hotel, take a screenshot, send it to my daughter in real time. Brilliant. Wow. Away game two. That's how you're a positive mirror. So I want to make sure guys are hearing that. She just gave you a concrete tool. Dry eraser, write it on the mirror. You could do like a circle with an arrow. This woman is beautiful. You know, type of thing. I mean, there's that's yes. that's so cool. What a great. Then all those negative voices in her head that we talked about early when she looked earlier, when she looks in the mirror, you fat pig, you're not skinny enough. And dad's yeah. like, you're beautiful to me. What? You're right there countering the negative messages with your voice. You see how it all goes together. Go dad. That is beautiful. So that leads me into tool 13. And and to me, as a grandfather, this has been a game changer for my granddaughter. Mm -hmm. 
For you guys that are you married guys, this will change your sex life. For you dads, it will change how your daughter sees herself. And I just love this. This is the easiest tool in the toolbox to use, but this this is so profound. And it is light up when you see her. Yes. Light up when you Light see her. Up when you see her. That Doug, dude. You don't even have to work out with your granddaughter. Yeah. Like, no. I, well, that's easy, but it's like, come on, bro. This is easy. Yes. You, and I and I had a I with my raising my teenage my or my boys at the time when they're teenagers, I found that one of the boys I wasn't smiling whenever I saw him. Oh. And when I when I when I caught my I had a guy on the podcast and he talked about smiling with your kids, and that was a game changer. Because every time I saw him, I wasn't smiling, and he's, and and because of some of his choices, but he was reading that different than I was, and so I realized that really impacted the relationship until I, I I rectified that by going, I'm going to smile at him because that because that says something, and it's the same thing with our daughters. Can you talk about talk to our guys about lighting up when we see them? Well, it's funny. I didn't even think of this too. You were just talking about how earlier it's learn to read her eyes. Yeah. And this is really saying she's reading your eyes. Yes. And you know, Tyra Banks coined the word smize, right? That you smile with your eyes. Oh. But yes, you communicate a lot when you smile with your eyes. So my mentor, Jim Friesen, years ago, wrote was part of a book called Living from the Heart Jesus Gave You, where he said in that book that we have what's called a joy exchange. And I have no idea how they hit in research have quantified this, but they say that there is a six cycle per second exchange between two people. It's interpersonal when there's joy, wow. which is you're happy to see me. That's his definition of joy. So joy strength is something that we talk about in my field is how do you build, see back that concept earlier, building up joy strength. Dad, you actually are giving a lot of the, this joy strength to your daughter when you light up upon seeing her. Wow. When she comes in the room and you say, you sparkle. That's another way to say it is you have a sparkle about you that when I see you, I don't stay glued to the TV. I don't stay buried on my computer, reading my, my emails. I am not looking down. So you think about even the Wonder Woman stance. She's up, hands on the hip legs apart. There's an empowered stance that way. When we see someone coming in the room, when we're on our phone, our shoulders are bent, our head is down. Yeah. And so dad, when you move your posture to lift up your head and let your eyes match your heart, because we're talking today about congruence, that the heart of the father, God as a father is coming through you as a dad. You're looking at her, your mouth lines up, your heart lines up. You see, there's this alignment yeah. That literally carries weight. Even if you don't hear that from the women in your life, it does carry weight spiritually, especially. I mean, there's a spiritual authority. Oh, yeah. That you guys have. And lighting up when you see her, which even takes me back to Luke 15, verse 20, where in the middle of the prodigal son story, you yep. hear in one verse, the dad stands there looking for his son who's been away. And it says he said he sees him and he's filled with compassion. How can you be filled with compassion if your face isn't turned toward? Because you're going to reveal that with your eyes. So, yeah, that's you know, what it's interesting in that story. What hits me in that story is the son has a uh, a repentance line. He's practiced. Forgive me, father. He has this whole line. He's practiced. The father runs up to him, and when the son shares his rote excuse, 
the father completely ignores him and doesn't answer yeah. it at all because he's so enthralled in the nonverbal uh, stance yeah. of joy. And that, that's what we're saying here. We're saying right. it, it's, it's, it's the vision, it's the nonverbal that you're communicating to your daughter. When you just say you are the most important person in my world right now, right now. Yeah. Yes. Right now. And, and going back to that, if you're a dad that feels a little bit lost in the roadmap of life to your daughter's heart, to the center, the epicenter of her heart right now, or she's shutting you out, remember that fivefold stance in one verse, Luke mm. 15, 20, where Jesus, it's all red letter, says, this is what my dad is like. Yeah. And you get to model this. You, you're looking toward them. You're filled with compassion. You run toward them, embrace them, and kiss them. Mm. It's on you to pursue and that's how you, if you don't know where to start, start there. I'm going to turn toward them, find out what they're interested in, what she's interested in, right? I'm going to be asking God, grow compassion in me. Cause right now all I am is hurt and angry. Grow that compassion in me, even while they're running away. Right. And then running yeah. toward them. So well, I love what you just said. You said, man, it's on dads. It's on you to pursue, which leads us to tool 14. And, mm -hmm. I, and this is interesting to me. So let me explain why it's interesting. You said, convince her she is worthy. So so you said, Dad, it's on you to pursue. Tool 14 is convince her she is worthy. What's What was interesting to me here was the word convince. Yeah. We have to convince her. That is such a curious word to me. So can you talk to us about that word? And I know that you put that there strategically. Right, why, it wasn't tell her. No, not tell her, not show her, but convince her. So talk to us about that. You know, honestly, some of this is born out of my own story. Being the age I am in my 60s, I was raised in an era where women didn't have the same platform that they have today. Correct. And I have been, you know, I've been a worship leader in big churches. I've shared platforms with men. I haven't always felt like I've had the same respect, let's mm. use that word, or the same worth. Uh, we know that there's research that says women in the same professions are often paid less. And we can say all we want, oh, it's different now. And I'm not, I'm not here to whine about it. I'm just saying my experience has been, I, in, sometimes in the culture, even Christian culture, I haven't felt as that I have as much value. Yeah that I could be more an adjunct. I think another side of this is that, you know, I have sexual abuse in my history from my mom's dad, primarily some others, mm. but my, my grandfather was my primary abuser. And that set a foundation early in me mm. that on the inside, I felt like damaged goods, not worthy. So even though I've been a pastor's daughter, been to Bible college, I've been a youth leader and a worship leader and done service for the Lord out of the overflow of the heart that's been restored by the God I adore and live for. Honestly, I can tell you deep inside. And that's what drove me to counseling is that at 28 to 30, I started dating a guy. We were in a Christian band together, did youth ministry together in a church in Portland. And he was a verbal abuser, an emotional abuser of me. 66 things one time he wrote, he didn't, I wrote down that he didn't like about me when we broke up and I got back together with him two months later. Oh. You know, you would go, why? 
Michelle, you're competent. You have ministry outlets. There are so many women in the same boat as me that have competence and confidence over here and love the Lord. Uh-huh. And then you look at their dating life and go, why would they choose him? Where's why the would disconnect? Him? Yeah. It's because deep inside someone and someones, it's plural, made me believe I wasn't worth anything. Mm. And so you have a culture, man, that your daughters, if they have not been sexually harassed or violated or assaulted, I'd probably be surprised because it is so rampant anymore in subtle ways. In fact, I have a ninth grade nephew that because of COVID was out, you know, out for a year and a half, goes back to school this past fall. He left at the semester break as a freshman in a public school and said, the, and he's a solid kid for God, but he said, the sexual culture, it nauseates me and I hate it and I'm not staying. Mm-hmm. A ninth grade kid is saying it's everywhere. Oh, yeah. Everything is sexual. So your daughters, even if it's not their story of violation, are in a sexual culture that you yeah. would think, oh, you're so desirable. No, at the end of the day, we're objectified. We're there for your pleasure, your gratification. You're undressing me with your eyes and your daughters. I'm telling you, there's an awesome article by Monica Hess, H-E-S-S-E, a New York Times, I think it is, or someone in New York um, has written an article on why daughters don't tell their dads Mm. about their sexual harassment. And they say, we can't handle his response. Mm. He's not staying with us. He's reacting. And then we feel like we have to manage his reaction. And so- I even wrote an article last year for Focus on the Family on how a dad can walk with his daughter through gender identity, sexual orientation issues, same-sex attraction. I mean, this stuff is right at an all-time high where at the end of the day, why has the Me Too movement, why did that blow up at one point? Mm -hmm. I believe it's because women are screaming. Yeah. Tell me I have value and worth. I'm having to scream it because I don't feel like that's being heard. So at the end of the day, dad, when you lead with vulnerability and you listen and you give her your attention, you are convincing her because it's not an easy sell when the majority of the world is not always giving her that message that she's valued and respected and honored and worthy of honor. Yeah, when I when I see that word convince, I think of it never stops happening. It's like saying I love you. You need to there do it till it's boring. You need to convince your daughters that she's worthy until it's boring, till when that next that boy comes around that she's dating in high school, she can recognize the counterfeit motives, right? Yeah. And so yep. that, it's yep. very, yep. very powerful. And ask for zero to 10. I'm a zero to 10 queen. You can say, fine, I'm fine. Go on a scale of zero to 10. How fine are you? Yeah. On a scale of zero to 10, how, how well have I convinced you you're worthy? Ask that in a zero to 10. She may go nine and you're like, really? I didn't think I was doing that good. Tell me, how have I done that? Or she may say, one, what could I do different? Mm. See who, what, where, and where, how. Mm. You're using all of the skills together. Yeah, we just put a podcast out, an equipping podcast called The Eight Cow Wife. And so that, that podcast was all about a woman and her worth and how that changes a woman's entire countenance when she feels worthy. So guys, you can go check that out. So tool 15, our last one. And I, I love this one because every time my granddaughter comes over and she's coming to spend the night next Saturday, I stop everything I'm doing. I go, oh, I don't even call her 
my, I call her the princess, the <laughs> princess. And I have to call her the princess because the queen is usually right by me. So <laughs> the queen, the princess. And so tool 15 is treat her. And I know that we have a mutual friend, Clarence Schuler, talks about treating your wife first class. Treat her like she's in the first class, not the coach or underneath the carriage and where the pets are. You know, treat her first class. So talk to us about this treating her, treating your daughter like a princess. Well, really, the word is royalty, too. Ah. She's royalty. She's a daughter of the king. And if if I knew that Prince William, you know, and Princess Catherine were coming, oh, my goodness. I would clean different. I would talk different. I would be more mindful of how I act. Wouldn't I? If I was really around royalty. Mm -hmm. If King Jesus showed up today, I'm telling you, we clean some stuff up. We put on our best clothes. We would act different. Yep. And so... I've had a lot of dads say, my daughter does not like Disney princesses. And I say, well, I know they've come a ways in trying to get more uh, tough princesses that just aren't the damsel in distress. But even still, at the end of the day, I've had some dads go, it's kind of repulsive, this whole princess idea. So this whole royalty might fit better yeah. than princess per se, but a lot of a lot of girls, even little girls, love the princess thing. In fact, years ago, I spoke at a women's retreat, and all of my talks, my four talks, I gave things for their head. So one was a mask, mm -hmm. you know, one was a party hat that represented something. But on Saturday night, I gave out crowns, mm -hmm. little plastic crowns. And I'm telling you, these women wore them. Oh, Talking uh, about yeah. As little girls, we do not have any problem wearing a bell outfit to the store uh, where we've become the character, but something gets lost along the way where it's no longer cool. Yeah. But when I think about inside, I mean, why do we love a diamond ring when we get married? I mean, this to me is what a princess would wear, a queen yep. would wear, right? And so whatever way, dad, you need to frame this to fit your daughter, whether it's first class, whether it's princess, whether it's royalty, it ties back to being a practical way that you let your daughter know she's worthy, mm -hmm. convincing her she's worthy because she's royalty. It may mean, hey, honey, sit there. I'm going to come open your door. It may mean on her birthday, you pick any restaurant you want, and I don't care how much it costs. It might be at Christmas, like my dad's done with me for 20 years till I got married, 25, 30 years. I don't even know how many, where he <laughs> takes me on perfume day, mm -hmm. and I get to pick any perfume I want in the perfume section at Nordstrom, and he sits there as long as it takes with all the perfume up my arms because you got to know how it smells on you. I know. And, and one of the last one I chose, it was $185 for one bottle. And the first time when he, we found the scent, he bought me two. I almost couldn't do it because I'm an extravagant giver, but I have a really hard time receiving. But, oh my gosh, this brings tears to my eyes. I put this perfume on before our interview today oh my I, gosh that's awesome I, I i literally i still have this from my dad and i've thought of how many times he's gone i'm so proud of you and there's a lot my dad hasn't done right but there's a lot he's done different than his alcoholic dad yep. in chicago that died of gangrene homeless like he didn't have a template but when he's taken me at christmas and said you buy anyone you want all year look here i am Three years, four years later, five years later, perfume lasts a long time. When I put that scent on, I can smell it right now, Jim. 
it says to me, my dad has treated me like royalty because he put his money where his mouth is, mm-hmm. where his treasure is. I'm a treasure. Where his heart and treasure, money and treasure, heart and money, it all goes together biblically, right? But dad, your daughter will internalize that strength and that value that you put on her. So there you go. <laughs> that, well, that, you know, that's so powerful. I mean, that smell set, sets something, it triggers something beautiful in your mind, yes. right? That's what we want to do with yes. our daughters. We want them to, we want yes. certain things that we say, do, the mirror, the perfume to trigger the words, the, the cards, yes, the notes, all of it, all of beer. it, all of it. Yes. So, well, this has been amazing. We're going to have to break this into two parts. Do you have or three? Well, Who yeah, knows? I think. Yeah. Do you do you have any closing words for the men? Oh my goodness! Actually, two things come to mind just spontaneously here, and the first one is never give up. Mm. Your daughter is in a season where she's pushing you away. Go buy a journal. Let it serve as a, as a time capsule where you write in it today's date, all the different dates, and write down what you wish you could tell her, memories you have of her, prayers you're praying for her, things that as you reflect on it, you're proud of when you think of her. And someday will come when you can give that to her. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. It will be when, not if. Mm-hmm. But that will keep your heart open so that you never give up believing and praying for restoration. And and that's what I would say to those of you dads that maybe are listening today going, I wish I could put these 15 tools into action, but I can't get close enough to her. Mm -hmm. I want to speak to you first. And then the second thing that comes to my mind is that remember that you are always building a bridge to God as a father, Uh, whether you know it or not, and you're mindful of it or not. I don't know why, and maybe you agree with me, you don't know why God would have ever said, I'm going to entrust you men as fathers. I'm going to call myself a heavenly father, and we seem to have the same role and title there. Like you men go, please, I think that's above my pay grade. Don't put that on me. Yeah. But God is saying, you get to provide. You get to pursue. You get to protect. You get to live out those virtues and those values to build a bridge to me and my heart for your kids so that when you're not there, they're going to run to me as a father, God is saying. And so remember that always. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be present. Yeah, that and that really is the foundation for guys who want to serve Jesus. It's how do we point those we love to Jesus, and we do that by modeling God the Father so that when they think of the word Father, they're not triggered with some negative a thing that happened in their life or didn't happen in their life. And so, Michelle, as always, it's amazing having you on the show. Uh, how can our guys, I know you've talked about the uh, ABBA project. Well, how, are, how can our guys connect with you? Yep. You can go to my website, drmichellewatson.com. And even though Canfield is now part of my married name, my website is still the drmichellewatson.com. You can write me there. You can sign up for my dad, daughter, Friday blogs. They're every other Friday where I'm bringing dads current, practical, shorter, right? Than a whole book, shorter, you know, ways to put things into action. You can sign up for that. I've got two books. Again, you know, that's all on my website and blogs. And then the podcast, the Dad Whisperer podcast is on all platforms. And Jim actually just has been on it recently. I guess by the time you listen to this, it'll be, it'll be current. You can find it on my website or on any of those platforms. And so, 
Anyway, it's my joy to invest in dads and to help equip them to become the leader they want to be and God wants them to be. Hey, you know, Michelle, you ins- you inspired a thought today. You know, I have my book, uh, Tell Them, you know, what great fathers yeah. tell their sons and daughters. I think you should do a free download for men called Tell Her. I think that would be a great book, just a, a list of things that we need to tell them, that a dad needs yes. to tell their daughter. You mentioned a bunch today. I'm gonna do it. You could do that so easy. I'm gonna do it. You could do that so easy, and guys would flock to your website, I'm sure. So oh, thanks so much for coming awesome. on the show. It's always a joy. And and I, I will say this to you. I know that in your ministry career, you know, sometimes you feel like it's hard as a woman and less than, but man, I hope you don't feel that way here because we just thank the world of you and we love what you're doing for guys. Thank you. Been a joy to be here. God bless. Men, if this podcast today has helped you, please consider partnering with us with a monthly or a one-time donation. You can do that at meninarena.org slash donate. Every dollar helps. God bless you. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.